0: Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson.
1: I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel.
0: Let's jump into the news. First up, just wanted to mention that SpawnFest 2021 is getting started and geared up. So this is a free-to-join competition, and this has been done in years past. You can check it out at spawnfest.org. There's a link in the show notes where you can go check that out but it's kind of like a hackathon contest where you can enter alone or as part of a team up to four people. No organizations, sorry. But the event starts on September the 18th, and there are cash prizes being awarded in the form of Amazon gift cards. This is in September. So if you want to get involved, this is a time to start getting your team together, figuring out what you're going to do. You have 48 hours to work on the project once it kicks off. So it's kind of like an intense little competition. Check out the website for details, there are judges, and this has been a fun thing in years past, so check it out. Next up, Sean Moriarty of Axon fame adds RNN support, which I had to ask about. It's a recurrent neural network, so this is a feature that allows machine learning to handle sequences of things that change over time, like language translations or prediction of some metric over time, and even like driving a car. So that's been added to Axon, and that's an exciting development. Glad to see that. And next, if you have any interest in music and Elixir, then there's a library that's being forked and kind of brought up to speed that supports Elixir with MIDI controls. So MIDI being the music interface. So it's being brought up to date, so it doesn't have any warnings or errors on Elixir 1.12 and otp twenty three. I checked with the maintainer of the fork and who's kind of helping to bring this up to speed. And it sounds like this is a good entry point to jump into this if that's something you're interested in and would like to help push forward. The library is called Export MIDI. Frank Hunlith, the co-founder of Nerves, shared what he's doing with Livebook. He's enjoying the new Elixir Livebook, adding that running a firmware update step-by-step is one of his favorite things so far and he shares what it looks like where it's downloading a new NERVS firmware image from the GitHub releases page and validates it. And that's just an awesome example of how Livebook can be used in these non-traditional ways and even on a NERVS device. And that's all outside of the machine learning space. Another NERVS update, Frank Hunless shares that Erlang and Elixir is now running on a RISC-V Beagle board, the Beagle 5 or Beagle V, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. And the device looks very small. It's one of those cute little things. I think this is exciting progress for the embedded space and the Beam. So congrats to him and the team. And following on from last week's news, where we talked about Marlu Saraiva's work on Live View components, another PR was being discussed. So a link to this PR is in the show notes. But this is introducing the HTML engine and HEEX templates or heex templates. So this also adds a Sigil H template for HTML-aware parsing. And if you're familiar with Surface, you may recognize that the Sigil H is used over there. Marlus clarifies that Surface will likely change its Sigil to allow Elixir to keep the H that matches up with the naming convention. One concern I had for this was how well it would play with other non-HTML standard things, like AlpineJS. You add all this extra markup into your HTML that the browser ignores because it's not really valid HTML like attributes and things like that. It was very good to hear that Marlis clarified that the parser is very permissive with attributes and HTML nodes. So it won't pose a problem for any of us using Alpine JS. So that was good to hear. But the review process for this PR looks to be going very smoothly and it looks like it'll be merged. One special note is that this new feature will require Elixir 1.12 but it's exciting stuff. I love the idea of being able to have validated HTML content. So like I can have a component where if I were ever to miss like a ending div tag or something like that, rather than causing problems that are a little bit hard to diagnose, it can help keep those things a whole lot easier to spot very early. I love seeing this improvement coming to Live View. And that's it for the news. Today, we're being joined by our special guest, Camille Scavron. Camille, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm glad to be here. I was excited to talk about this topic today uh, because I saw a blog post you wrote and just that you're writing a book, but the book is about teaching people how to do like create a crypto trading bot. The principles apply to lots of other things as well. So I just thought this was really cool. One, because like, you know, the cryptocurrency is like, like the topic, it seems like in so many <laughs> spaces and jobs. But I know that's not really... It's not... Your topic isn't really, hey, we're doing cryptocurrency. So I was excited to talk to you about this, kind of get your opinions on things, kind of the things you've learned along
2: the way. But before we jump into that, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you. Hello, I'm Kamil and currently living in UK, but originally I'm from Poland. I'm a self-taught software engineer with a passion for functional programming, currently working as an Elixir engineer. Nice. So I'm curious,
0: you said like uh, a passion for functional languages. Are there any other particular functional languages that you really enjoyed or that you came through before you came to Elixir?
2: The whole journey about functional programming started for me with Haskell and uh, I spent a lot of time learning Haskell and then I even found found a gig for a six months full-time uh, being a Haskell developer. Just by the way, it went terribly wrong, but you know, <laughs> lessons learned on the way and uh, <laughs> You know, I I learned from it uh, and functional programming, but very practical, like in the Elixir spin on it is something that I personally prefer. Is that the kind of the dynamic
0: aspect of Elixir versus like the static typing?
2: Not only that, but also very pragmatic. So for example, half of the time that you spend in Haskell is basically resolving the types. One library is using specific type system and the second one is using different one and how to convert one to another just to make a simple database query. And even the Rust takes on that is much easier to handle than Haskell's ones. I was a little bit discouraged by it. Well, I'm excited to talk about this. So
0: first, why don't you tell us about this book that you're creating and just kind of to introduce the topic. So what, what is this and how did you start with this?
2: So the book really started based on the videos. So I started a YouTube channel about one year ago, and some people that were viewing those videos pointed out that maybe some people would appreciate the written format as a, for example, book or blog posts. So I take on that challenge without really understanding how much effort this needs to be put into it. (laughs) But in general, the aim of the book and the videos as well is to showcase How real world programs could be written, like this real world engineering solutions could be written in Elixir and OTP. So, when you finish reading the documentation on the Elixir website and you want to get the first job behind your belt, basically, so you don't know how all of those pieces work together, this book can kind of get you through that first hurdle and you can see how iteratively software is engineered in Elixir.
0: I know the topic. Of crypto, I live in the Utah area. In this market, there's a number of companies who are working in the crypto space and using Elixir as well. And I know there's some just globally. And I always think that's interesting, you know, because it's just a very hyped space right now. Maybe justifiably so. Maybe not. Maybe it's a bubble. I don't mean to speculate on that, but it is a it is a topic that interests a lot of people. So when we talk about Elixir and cryptocurrency, a lot of times is Elixir is described as not fast, especially compared to like C. Or Rust, Uh, so it doesn't necessarily make sense to have Elixir code be like validating blocks in a chain or doing some of the hard computational solving problems. So, where are you using Elixir here?
2: I strongly believe in using the right tool for the job, and where Elixir thrives is basically the place which aggregates the data from multiple sources and pushes it to some computation engine which takes decision. And I took crypto because it's not really high frequency. So when we are talking high frequency, is those are sub-milliseconds trades. And those microsecond trades are not really applicable to cryptocurrency trading because there's just not enough liquidity there in the market. Mm. Those are more for the stock trading, for example. But even past in my career, I've seen systems being built which are aggregating like tens of thousands of input data points per second and sending that onwards to C++ models that will make decisions to take the trade or to drop it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. In the stock world, people pay a premium to have their servers physically closer to the official exchanges servers. So you're, like, you're paying a premium to have shorter cord, right? Just to, because it's the speed of light, you're really getting down to like the nanoseconds. And when you're talking about the current crypto markets... You're right like the, the liquidity isn't there the, it's not happening that fast. I think it's a great place to start playing, and really, you know even if I want to use the same logic and everything you're laying out here, and if I want to use that for doing stock trades, they can be done a little bit more how, according to my algorithms, what I want it to do, I'm not working at that level of speed either. Uh, at least that's not the way I'm thinking so then do you think Elixir works well then for this solving this problem where you're aggregating data and at the speed that you're talking about. I
2: think Elixir is well suited to those kind of problems because it allows us to easily make concurrent systems. And the trading systems are really concurrent. You are doing trades on multiple symbols in the same moment, splitting your budget between multiple trades. And all of that is easily observable because of the how Erlang and Elixir languages are working and all of the internals and all of the toolkit around those languages allows us to easily introspect that and make sense out of that. So when we're
0: talking about the, a trading bot, like what are some of the features that you think are important and that maybe in your YouTube channel or your the book that you're saying, these are the features we're going to build out.
2: Kind of walk us through that. So when you're building the trading system, you need to focus on two parts, uh, ingestion of data, the data from the exchanges that, of the current trades that are happening, as well as making some sense out of that data to take trading decisions. There's an interesting and educational part about taking the decision because you have an ongoing processes that change state across the time and depends on that state, they will take different decisions. If I understand what
0: you're saying, it's like the idea that I can have like a gen server, maybe set up to track and make decisions around a specific symbol. And it's keeping a a running history. And as it accumulates data and ongoing state, it might make different kinds of
2: decisions. Is that right? In general, trading strategy again splits into two different steps. One, you accumulate data inside Gen Server, And when the time is right and you are happy about the data and the situation on the market, you are taking that bet. You are making a buy order. And then you again track the incoming data and make a decision where you want to sell. So it, for example, it will increase for a long time and it started to fail and then you sell. But all the rules inside are exactly based on the data and what your risk appetite is. But either way, that's not the focus of it. The focus is the state is changing constantly and you need to react to that state, which is perfect for the Elixir OTP and the educational part of it.
3: So I'm curious, what are some of the more interesting aspects of OTP that you've found as you've been creating this bot?
2: In general, you can start trading on multiple symbols And you define a budget per symbol and then you define chunks. So how many trades you want to make for that symbol, like how you want to chunk your budget inside that symbol. All of that is very dynamic. So you, you are starting to use dynamic supervisors. You need to start tracking them. Then you use registry to track them. But also you have a state there that when things will go wrong, you want to revive that state. And then the whole trading on the cy- symbol needs to be um, auto-started. For that, you can use tasks. So there's a lot of abstraction that are built into Elixir that you can leverage to tackle those problems. And you can showcase all of them in the trading bot.
0: That sounds like it's a good use case then for helping to teach. And I think that's that was your aim here, right? That you're wanting to show people, hey, when you're ready to do something bigger, a full project, this Pulls together a lot of those interesting things where you're talking about supervision trees. And I noticed that you're kind of saying, Hey, we're going to walk you through setting up as as an umbrella project. And you're just kind of pulling together all these different things and giving an actual real world use case to say, This is how we're going to use tasks here. This is how we're going to do a registry. So I think it's a great way to pull a lot of that together.
2: It's even better because on the way, the whole system is built iteratively. So first, I'm starting with just Gen Server then i'm trying to educate people that well what if it will die then you need a supervision then how to auto start that supervision how to auto how start multiple supervisions for multiple symbols how to track the state of those traders so do you feel like when you were first jumping into
3: elixir and learning all of these concepts was it was it difficult for you do you think that these concepts are difficult for newcomers to to grasp what do you how do you feel about You know, OTP in general and the difficulty and the new concepts that it brings.
2: I think that OTP is extremely valuable tool, but whenever it's described, it's described in the hello world examples. And what I missed was like this is a fully fledged product. This is how you start, this is how those are all the decisions that we took on the way to get to this stage of the product. And I missed that from the from my times when I started with OTP and Elixir.
3: So this is almost like your contribution back to like help above and
2: beyond the basics that the docs provide. I wanted to give some helpful hand to somebody that just started and they want to get a feel like true systems looks like in elixir, like how this all is glued together and how to make sense out of all those separate blocks that are very useful on their own, but they are extremely useful and can build the whole solutions together. I do like that approach,
0: though, too. And, and I, I try to use the same idea of, hey, we're going to walk you up on using the simplest example we can, like starting with just a basic gen server. We're going to walk you up until we hit that wall. We've hit a problem. What is it we need to solve? Okay, here's how we can solve it. You know, and then you get to the next problem. And then it's just like, it's that whole discovery process. And it kind of walks them through. One thing I think is the value in that is it helps the learner feel okay about getting stuck on something. It's so like, oh, I see this is just, this is the process. I, I go, it works until boom, it doesn't work now. Now I have to do something different. Okay, now, now I'm further. It just helps you feel better about that process.
2: I shared that to the extent that I ventured, for example, into macros and I showed like, this is what you could achieve with macros. But then looking into the code, I honestly said that, hey, look at that. This would probably be confusing going forward, but Elixir also provides this registry module that you can leverage to achieve the same thing.
3: Yeah, I think this process of learning all these new concepts and stuff can be uncomfortable sometimes. I know there was like a series of like languages or something that was like learn X the hard way, (laughs) learn Python the hard way. We should make one that's like learn Elixir the uncomfortable way, where you like (laughs) lead them into a problem and everybody gets all uncomfortable and then you teach them like Here's a solution.
0: So now you've been working on this for some time. I know the book has progressed. I, you can just see it online. So how is the trading bot going at this point?
2: So the trading book at this moment is written in 75%. But each time I'm thinking about the remaining 25, it looks like it's spreading and spreading. I would, <laughs> I, I would love to add, for example, deployment. I would love to add some functional programming into it. So venturing into some like pure code and how to segregate it. I see a lot of value to add those chapters. And honestly, I don't know when I will finish. I, I know that I promised that it's 75% finished, but now it looks like, oh, uh, it's 60 or 50 <laughs> 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 because it just it just grows. Uh, I'm looking through the uh, the chapters
1: on your book and... I imagine that this is a pretty difficult thing to visualize and some folks might be visual learners. Uh I imagine you have some graphs on how like some concepts are organized, but not to expand your book more, right? But is there a UI portion to this to see that like you're trending upward on this symbol or overall you're trending upward or trending down on that symbol, or that trades are happening, you know, right now. How does somebody visually see? the activity of what's going on with this trading pot.
2: Just to be fair, the book is not focused on making money or even tracking how much money you made. I put a lot of effort into describing how architecturally or software, from the software engineering point of view things are structured and why I made some decisions that I made on the way. But... Regards the UI and you making money out of it, yeah, that's not fit for purpose, really. <laughs> sorry, sorry to break it to you. You know, you, you won't be a crypto millionaire by tomorrow. You know, <laughs>
1: you gotta forego the UI. So, like, even even like, I don't know. I'm imagining like it's n- maybe not a custom UI or something. There's there's some interface that the user can interact with. You know, is that is that IEX? You know, how how do they see what's going on? How do they monitor? that things are actually working and not crashing.
2: Yes, the whole application is started in the interactive shell and from there you can look at the observer processes as well as things are stored inside the database for future investigation. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting that that Elixir seems to be a, a popular choice for for making bots. You know, like back in episode 31 we interviewed Zee and Oleg about creating a bot for crawling the web. This whole idea, I think Of creating bots to automate tasks right you can do that in any language but for elixir to be a popularized choice for bots i think that's interesting i obviously i I, i'm going to attribute it to like the otp structure that bots are thought to just be running by themselves resilient right never really crashing and they can restart all of that just fits perfectly with otp right that 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 platform of otp is really really important to bots I imagine, right? So, like, obviously, that's what you've been talking about. Anyway, I find, I found that really interesting. Like, those are the two bots that I know of. I think I, I'm sure there's, there's there's other ones. Like, there's, there's a Slack bot one out there written in Elixir as well. And and of course, no one's going to call your web server a bot, but your web server gets the same kind of benefits: resilient, you know, process driven, restarts, that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm just uh, now realizing that every interview is is like, OTP is great. That's like the message. OTP is great. We can, just, we can just open up the episode like, hey, you know, person, how, what do you think of OTPs? like, it's great. Okay. Show's done. You you might be a little biased though, David. I'm just going to throw
3: that out there. <laughs>
0: I want to encourage people to check out your book online and you can see just the table of contents. And one of the things just like looking through it, I noticed like you're saying, hey, we have this whole chapter four is on mocking the Binance API. A lot of times working with Elixir, you're integrating with other systems and you're often using other people's APIs as a client. And so just something like this is really handy to just kind of walk people through how do we mock out an API because I want to be able to run my tests, but not having my tests hitting this external API all the time. My tests will intermittently fail or they'll be slow or I'll get banned or blocked. I also think it's kind of a fun idea. Like even if, you know, you're not designing this as a trading bot for wealth creation, you know, that, that's not the goal. Because there's so much volatility in the cryptocurrency markets, you can just put some play money in there Just say, I'm totally okay losing every, every penny of this. I'm just going to put it in there. And in shorter amounts of time, I can have much larger moves and see stuff happen. So that, that's kind of a fun place to play, I think.
2: Absolutely. Also, the whole system is built so you can create your own trading strategy. As you learn, you can create your own trading strategy, which could be beneficial financially. And I had examples of those that for some amount of time they were generating some income in this code base. So in addition to creating the bot in this book, I, I was curious just to kind of hear
0: your experience of doing, you know, creating the book. Like it started out as this YouTube project. People said, hey, it'd be nice to have some written stuff. Just kind of get your feedback on how has it been writing a book? And, you know, doing the self-publishing route. Like, what's that been like for you? So at
2: the beginning, it was quite similar to videos. So, So you basically follow what the videos were explaining. But then you realize that in the fifth video, you made a mistake that you need to fix through the whole book from the chapter one, basically. So forever, you just fix them until you will nail out all the errors. Where for videos, I just fix them in the next video, like the 16th video will fix the code. That was the first difference between the book and the videos.
0: That does sound like a challenge. So I know one of the benefits of doing the publishing route, working with a publisher, is they'll have an editor assigned to you. And that editor will give you a lot of feedback and direction. You may not like what they say. You may disagree, but you at least have someone who's giving you feedback. It sounds like you're getting some good feedback from the community. What kind of feedback has that been like for you? And and has that helped change the way you're writing or fixing things? So
2: initially I was thinking that I will target the book and the video series to the people that already have some experience in Elixir OTP and they just want to push that to the next level. But then I realized that a lot of people are coming from a Ruby world and they just want to see how the Elixir looks like in action, basically. So I changed the tone of the book and the videos to explain a little bit more, to go a little bit into greater details about some concepts. And I think that this will help people that are not actively developing an elixir to get the gist out of it. So were there any challenges that you faced
0: while you were writing this book about elixir and cryptocurrencies? Like any points where you said, you know, this is
2: kind of hard. Let me think about this. So definitely for some people, the cryptocurrencies world was completely unknown part of the knowledge. So they wanted to learn elixir or jump into elixir but they weren't sure about the cryptocurrencies part of it. So that was some kind of eye-opening exercise for me, because only in the 8th video I realized that people don't really want to create a new Binance account just to be able to run the bot, and just to see how it works. So only then I created a Binance mock, where in book, the mock is created as a fourth chapter, as quickly as it's possible. So that was like eye-opening exercise that you know, based on the feedback I reshuffled the whole book with comparison to videos, for example. Well I'm glad you're getting a lot of constructive feedback like that. As we encourage people to check it out, are you looking for what kind of feedback are you looking for? At this moment I'm getting only positive feedback. I would love to have more feedback regards misspellings, regards exactly things like you mentioned, because those things will make the quality of the book better for 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 everybody. So if anybody has any contribution from as simple as misspelling to anything bigger, feel free to open a GitHub issue and uh, write what you think. So I noticed that you're mocking the
1: Binance API. I figure there are multiple trading APIs out there that you could have used. Looks like you're you're choosing Binance here. I'm curious, what other options were there? You know, what were there any other popular ones? Was there a reason why you chose Binance? Was there one that you wished you could use but couldn't for some reason?
2: I choose Binance because of the liquidity. So I was after this wow factor about things are changing very quickly and the system is alive. So that was why I choose Binance because you can get a lot of action in very short time. The whole code is structured in the way that you can ingest any data from any exchange and make decisions based on it. You just need to add add-ons so you will subscribe to the web sockets of those exchanges and you will make trades on them instead of Binance. The whole system is based on the PubSub, so it's pluggable in this way.
0: Well, Camille, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and that you're doing this work and making it available to the community and uh, soliciting feedback. I think it's awesome. So if people want to follow the progress of the book or connect with you online, where should they go to do that?
2: So, normally I'm available on Twitter if you have any questions. Uh, Otherwise, you can watch the episodes online on YouTube or read the book on the GitHub pages. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all the time we have for today.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.